Hello, welcome to Okawa Book Club. We're your hosts. I'm Dylan. I'm John. And we're going to be discussing the teachings of Master Ryuho Okawa. Ryuho Okawa is a world teacher, master, and CEO of Happy Science Group. Alright, so we have our final chapter, chapter 5 of The Laws of Messiah, which is called The Love of Messiah, Love on Earth, the Training Ground for the Souls. The four section titles are as follows. Section 1, Why Messiah Exists, Thinking from the Way This World Works. Section 2, What Human Beings Must Not Lose Sight of Through Soul Experiences. Section 3, The Battle Between Common Sense and Faith. And Section 4, Convey the Love of Your Lord God. So in a way, this is a fitting end to the book. It's a powerful ending, and it goes back to the essence of religion, the essence of the reason this book is published, and also the desire of the Messiah for his disciples to do missionary work. And starting with section one, why the Messiah exists in this world, it's a very profound idea. Nobody really thinks about that, right? Why the Messiah has to exist or why he does exist. But when we're in this world, we face a lot of problems. And one of the problems is we start from scratch. We do reincarnation, but we forget all of our past lives. We forget our karma. We forget why we're here. So human beings will naturally tend to devolve into materialism or to misunderstanding the truth. And so the Messiah appears from time to time to remind us that this is a world of soul training. Life is a workbook of problems to be solved. And we can never forget spirituality. And it even goes into like modern things such as homelessness, poverty that are in this world, and human beings' natural desire, if they don't understand the spiritual world, to fall for these communist-like social policies, which help the poor in their eyes, but they have no spirituality, they have no religion, and they eventually lead to uh, death in large scales. So what a Messiah does is he gives us the enlightenment, why we shouldn't fall for these easy-to-deceive type movements. And that includes, in today's world, communism. So overall, in this section or other parts of this chapter, is there anything that stood out to you, John? Yeah, I really enjoyed, there was sort of an overarching discussion about uh, love that gives throughout the chapter, including exploring and clarifying the meaning of loving your neighbor, which was a teaching from Jesus, obviously. <laughs> and... I appreciated that there was discussion about priorities, like when people enter into their career and how at one time, uh, some people, let's say you're going to become a doctor. You might become a doctor because you want to contribute something good to the world and help people, or you might become a doctor just because it pays a lot of money. So that second attitude is kind of dangerous. And the first attitude is really what's ideal. And so there's a degree to which self-love in terms of just doing things for oneself uh, strictly mm -hmm. is acceptable in life up until a certain age but really i think there's an emphasis upon the idea that we are meant to be contributing something to the world and to be thinking about more than just ourselves and that's how we can practice that love that gives and 
that in a sense is an emulation of God because God loves everybody and gives love to everybody. Mm -hmm. So even if we can only emulate that in a very small and finite way, we're doing so in practice and by considering the world around us and, you know, not making decisions strictly for personal gain, but trying to make decisions that help to create possible, create more opportunities for the world. That's a really interesting point. I've spoken to a doctor about this topic, and he said, it's such a dog-eat-dog world. It's so competitive that people stop even caring about helping others. They're very much focused on advancing their careers in a very competitive environment. And when that happens, what is lost is love. And the true reason that the medical field was established was to allow the light of love to flow through the people to help others, care for others. And that's the pure white light that we see in the seven divine colors of rainbow. That is the light of miracles. It's the light of healing. It's the light of saving. So when people forget about that, the medical field loses all of its purpose from heaven's perspective. So it's a really interesting point that you brought that up. In section two, it talks about how people tend to fall into animalistic characteristics, self-love, and uh, self-preservation. So they forget about why humans are different than animals. And sometimes humans become even worse than animals with a bigger appetite, more greed, more self-absorption, and they fail to uh, live out their purpose as divine creatures, as noble creatures. And we see a lot of things brought up in this section, such as the university system and the uh, common sense of a lot of professions. So what Riho Kawa, the author, is trying to show is that uh, faith and spirituality are what makes humans different than animals. And if we ever lose sight of that, we degrade ourselves. We devolve back into a more primitive state. And it kind of leads really well into section three, which is the battle between common sense and faith. And it talks about Jesus and Buddha, who, uh, especially Jesus, you know, he talks about this idea that faith is more important than common sense. When it comes to choosing between faith and common sense, choose faith. And this idea is very hard for common people to understand, but that's what makes religion different. Why did Jesus put his life to on the line and uh, eventually cause himself to be killed. He could have easily chosen common sense, avoided being persecuted and killed, but that wasn't what he was born to do. So uh, his life really shows that emblematically. And Buddha as well. Buddha taught very different things than the common sense, but he his method was to build up systematic trust from the society and then gradually reveal more and more controversial or more and more spiritual teachings throughout his life. Yeah, I enjoyed the, that sort of dichotomy between Jesus and Buddha and that was explored there. And I appreciated that it discussed how Shakyamuni Buddha implemented policies that would allow for social credibility to be built around uh, the movement that he was building at the time to ensure that people were still being responsible and acclimated to the world they were living in. And I mean, I couldn't help but notice how much that mirrors happy science. And, mm -hmm. you know, that was further discussed. We look at the history of newer religious movements that have formed in Japan 
happy science uh this is really the only it's the only one that hasn't been corrupted or hasn't gone to an extreme i mean certainly there's been polar opposites that have done horrible things and so I, I thought that was interesting to explore that parallel between shakyamuni and maestro kawa's teachings in the present yeah it's, it's a good point you know on page 201 it says at happy science we have adopted the stance the truth is true and correct. We spread our teachings fair and square while trying to avoid social friction to some extent. We don't lie. We never deceive people to bring them in or use fakes to do that. We are always fair and square in the way we conduct our activities. So I think that's the differentiating point, which is the idea of, you know, the, the ends justify the means. A lot of religious groups that have been persecuted over the years They've done very extreme things in order to attract attention and power. And in the end, those extreme things turn around and cause the movement great damage. But at Happy Science, we're focused more on the idea of spreading the teachings as they are. So we just stick with this program. Success or failure, we keep marching forward. And I think that is Buddha's stance as well. Buddha was going against the entire Hindu idea of the caste system. Buddha was teaching that uh, human beings are equal and what separates you is the enlightenment you attain while living in this world. And that idea is very foreign to uh, the kings and the princes who were born into royalty. Buddha himself was born into royalty, but he rejected that. And he went into the woods and found true meaning and true value in the power of enlightenment which was the power of his religious order. Absolutely. And I, and I appreciated a discussion about, in this chapter, about the vocational choice that's in the world today and that, that form of freedom that has not been available in other times, where, whereas at other times, uh, such as during uh, Shakyamuni's time, you were born into the caste system. So wherever you were born, there was no mobility from that. And even in, until really the beginning of the 20th century, for the most part, most people would just take on whatever vocation uh, their parents had done or that was available to them. And now there's such freedom that so many souls want to incarnate into this time for that purpose. So it's really incredible how every person does have an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And like, well, that's a double-edged sword. So what the purpose of religion can be in this age is to teach people the meaning of their life the purpose of their career, like how they can contribute to the good of the world. And it talks about that on page 193, that a lot of people are just satisfied doing an ordinary job and living in an ordinary home with an ordinary life. But that leads to the uh, fifth dimensional goodness realm, which is the one of the earlier stages of heaven. And what that means is that without this idea of living out your purpose and establishing something in this world for the good of society, you can't go to the next level. And happy science is taking religion to the next level by empowering people to accomplish something beautiful, good, and true in their prospective fields. And that empowerment establishes something greater and leads to a higher level of heaven. Yeah, I think that sort of brings to mind how uh, Friedrich Nietzsche sort of challenged Plato and he was very Nietzsche was very much against platonic ideals and the idea of an ideal realm and that we should hold ideals in our minds and aspire to creating a better world and he felt we should just acclimate to nature as it is so this is 
a difference between being an animal and being a human, right? We need that religious or platonic ideal, however you want to look at it, to really frame our life differently and accomplish more and contribute something. Yeah, yeah. Plato, Plato, who is a very enlightened being from the eight dimensional world. So uh, on the other hand, Nietzsche was born to do great things, but unfortunately was corrupted and fell down to the bottom of the fourth dimensional world. So you make a very good point. I want to move on to section four, which I think is the uh, exclamation point to end this book. It's the uh, very powerful chapter that really clarifies the Savior, the Messiah, and the power of God. And, you know, love is the most important thing that the Savior is teaching. And we are to have faith in that Savior for the power of his teaching. So it talks about the idea of love that's not give and take, love that is selfless or sacred. And we should avoid the idea of give and take within our love, but just give love without expecting anything in return and be selfless and sacred while we do so. And that means loving our Lord God and loving our neighbor. And it's a very pure form of love. Whereas we are not saviors, but the savior, what differentiates him from us is the savior stakes his own life for the power of love. It's the highest level of love, which is putting his life on the line for the, the truth to spread around the world. And it's a very emotional and powerful section. There are a few parts which are a little bit funny, such as bringing up Batman. And, you know, Batman has this spirit of putting his life on the line for saving others. But that's kind of the American hero's depiction of what a savior is. But overall, the savior is sacrificing himself for the world. And that's very beautiful and noble. Absolutely. And I think if we can embody just a tiny part of that, that's, and if we can all do that, then that's enough. Yeah. So on page 208, it says, Jesus taught many teachings, so one of his followers became confused and asked him, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus then answered, You shall love the Lord your God. This is the first and great commandment. And when asked the second most important teaching, he answered, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, well, we can put to practice a little bit the teachings of the Savior, the love of the Savior. What we can live on an everyday basis is to put these teachings into practice in our lives, which is the selfless form of love. And uh, I think there was another quote on page 211 that says, to put it in another way, while loving God comes first, loving your neighbor is proof that you love God. Mm -hmm. By showing that you love someone who brings you no benefit, you're proving that you love God. Yeah, it takes a high awareness to discover something like that and to put that into practice, but it is beautiful when we see people who do that. And this... On page 214, it kind of changes gears a little bit beyond just what we're used to seeing saviors do in the past, but love that the Lord God has for the earth itself mm -hmm. to protect us. And that love even transcends this earth and goes into the universe. This modern age is advanced, but the creator God of the great universe wants to love all beings on this earth, the earth itself, and the universe itself and that stage of love is something almost incomprehensible to a, a common person but it's inspiring and it, it's very transformative when we start to get into that kind of thing so there's a very long section starting on page 215 
very poetic words. Could I ask you, John, to read from page 215 to page 216? Sure, from page 215 to 216. First, the spirit world is the real world. At the top of it is God. God is the creator. He created humankind as well as all kinds of living things, and he created the history of Earth. God sent and dispatched all kinds of people to this Earth to create different civilizations in different ages. Caught in its currents, people experienced both happiness and unhappiness, and some might have drowned in the violent stream. When the times were bad, God worked to change those times as well. There were many times when even God's messengers died in misery. But through it all, not once did God's love ever stop flowing. Happy science also voices political and economic opinions. These are the opinions coming from heaven, saying, change the way the civilization in this world is. So please do not take them in the same way as the opinions of ordinary scholars. To love your Lord God is very important, for the Lord God loves everyone more than anyone else. Therefore, add power to God and supply energy to God. This is also one of the missions of human beings, the children of God. Those who do not have love do not know God. Those who do not believe in God do not have love. Those who do not know love do not understand the mind. Those who do not understand the mind do not understand what spirits are. Those who do not understand spirits cannot have faith and will not believe in God. Everything is a cycle. In this cycle, see God and the spirit world from the perspective of love and learn that people are connected by a line of light that brings them together. To take it a step further, Earth does not exist just for itself. Earth is not a planet just for Earthlings. Earth is not just for the creatures living on Earth. It is not just for the animals and plants. To this planet Earth, too, many have come from other planets for soul training. I know it is hard to believe, but I want you to know that it is also a precious love to protect this Earth and maintain it as the soul's training ground from Rio Alcala. Wow. You could read that a hundred times in a row, and it's almost like a sutra. It's a very powerful uh, teaching. Exactly. So this explains the cycle of God's love, and it's the most fitting ending, I can think, to end this chapter and to end this powerful teaching, the laws of Messiah. So I will now move on to the afterword of the book, which is the closing from Master Okawa. From love to love, this is the start and the end of my laws. In between, I shall teach a lot about truth and happiness. Love your Lord God. He is the being who loves you the most. Accept his love with all your heart. El Cantare is with you from the beginning to the end. The being is the father and the mother of your souls. I love each and every one of you, now and forever. Riho Kawa, November 2021. So, with this beautiful ending, I would like to recommend you again to receive this book, The Laws of Messiah, to spread it to the people around you, your neighbors. The most highest form of love is to spread the truth to the people you love. So spread this holy kyoten, this holy book, to the people you love. It's the Laws of Messiah, which is found in bookstores near you, such as Barnes & Noble. It's also online on Amazon.com, and you can learn more at okawabooks.com. It was great talking to you again, John. Likewise, though. In these trying times, stay happy, healthy, and positive. <laughs>